say, go that direction. Uh, no, but hey, welcome to week three of our series, Memoirs of a Strongman. How many have been here for the first two weeks of it? You've been here. If you haven't, let me catch you up where we're at. We're in, in this series talking about the strongest man that ever lived, who is? Samson, and we're talking about how Samson, it says from birth, from before he was born in the mother's womb, he had this call of God on his life. He was set, God, God had established him. He was called to deliver the, the people of God from the captivity of the Philistines. God gave Samson this supernatural strength. He had so much God-given potential, yet made stupid decision after stupid decision that got him in trouble. Can anybody relate? Yes, uh, some of y'all, I'm not about to admit to you that. That's all right, that's all right. But he, we talked about week one, three attitudes. Lust, I want it. I want it. Don't care what anybody says, I want it. And, and we talked about two, entitlement, I deserve it. Give it to me. I work hard for this. Give it to me. And th third one, pride, I can handle it. I know I used to have a problem with it. But I can handle it now. Come on, everybody! anybody ever got in trouble there? And we talked about last week how uh, instead of being led by the Spirit of God, Samson was driven by what? His emotions. His emotions. He is very emotion-driven. Anybody remember what two, his two main emotions that caused him trouble? Anger and pride. Anger and pride. I, I mean, Samson, where we left off last week, Samson had just killed a thousand Philistines with a jawbone of a donkey. And we admitted that that's, that's pretty bad. That's a bad dude right there that can go ham on a thousand men with just a jawbone of a donkey and take them all out. Well, then he realizes, I am public enemy number one. I, I better get out of here. He takes off running, running for his life finds himself out in this distant land. He is thirsty. And we talked about this. Because of his thirst, Samson allowed his need to drive him to God. Right? I was a little, I don't know what, I was a little off balance there for a minute. He allowed his need to drive him to God. And in that, God met his deepest needs. And that's where I want to start today, where we left off Judges chapter 15, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, don't worry. We're going to put it up here on the screen. Uh, here we go. Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi. Water came out of it. When Samson drank, what happened? And he was revived. He was revived. Samson allowed his need to drive him to God. What was Samson's need at this time? Water. I would, I would say that it's even greater than water. Because Samson knew, I've, I've, I've been disobedient to God. I've lost my connection to God. I don't have a relationship with God anymore. And he cries out to God, God, don't, I don't just need water. I need living water inside of me. And, and that, that word uh, where it says revived, he was revived. In Hebrew, it literally means to be restored to life again or to restore. Get this, it also means to surely be made whole. Samson was made whole. That day, water came out and Samson drank 
And it says he was revived. He was made whole. And now I want you to look how this chapter ends. That was verse 19 of chapter 15. This is how that chapter closes out. Verse 20. Samson led Israel for how long? 20 years of the days of the Philistines. Samson, after he was revived, after he was restored, after he was made whole and his relationship with God restored, he led faithfully for 20 years. 20 years of faithfulness, 20 years of serving God, 20 years of living as the man he was created to be. Samson has this life-changing experience with, with God. And then from there, he goes on for 20 years. He's honoring God. He's serving God. His whole, he, he, he's full. So the question I want to ask today is, how could a man, after 20 years of being so faithful, after going through such a, an end where he, he was so far away of God, from God, God restored him, God brought him back to life, how could that same man, after serving 20 years, walk away from God? How could he throw his life away? Because here's the thing, 20 years of faithfulness and bam, it happened. I don't think so. See, Samson didn't run his life overnight. It happened one small step at a time. You can't tell me that 20 years, Samson wakes up and says, you know what I think I'm going to do today? I'm going to ruin my life. I'm going to throw the past 20 years that I've worked for. I think somewhere he started taking small steps toward his destruction and his demise. And it's the same for us, man. We don't run our lives overnight like that. We do it one small step at a time. Remember how chapter 15 closes out. It says, and Samson led Israel for 20 years. That's the legacy I would like to end on if I'm Samson, right? Hey, Samson, after all this, Samson was revived. Samson led Israel for 20 years. Bam, let's end the book of Judges. Let's end the story, of, but it doesn't. Look how chapter 16 opens. One day, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. What happened? The verse right before this said, for 20 years, Samson was faithful. Samson led, served faithfully. And now, in the opening of the next chapter, he's hooking up with prostitutes. What happened? One day... Samson went to Gaza. One day, Samson went. One day. You know what's funny about this story? It, when, when you look at the life of David, King David, before he went through all the thing with Bathsheba and all that, it says this. One day when kings were supposed to be at war. But David wasn't where he was supposed to be. David found himself on top, up there on his castle, up on the whatever, looking out, he sees Bathsheba over here bathing. And how many think that he saw her one time and thought, go get her for me? I don't think so. I think he was up there one day, saw her, said, oh, man, I really shouldn't be looking, but, you know, just, it won't hurt me. And then he saw her again, and then he saw her again, and then every little step, every small step, saw her again. And finally says, go get her for me. One day, one day. Uh, it's funny, man, how one day can start us taking small steps to our demise. Start us to making decisions that can affect us for the rest of our lives. 
It says, one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. He went in to spend the night with her. The people of Gaza were told, Samson is here. So they surrounded the place. They lay in wait for him all night at the city gate. They made no move during the night saying, at dawn, we will kill him. Here's what you need to understand. Gaza is kind of like the capital city for the Philistines. And here Samson goes in pursuing a woman that he had no business pursuing, going to sleep with her, and there was, that's just a nice term. There, he wasn't sleeping. They were having sex, in case you're wondering what was going on. And has sex with her. And, and the thing is, it's like he doesn't even remember 20 years ago what this same situation cost him. 20 years ago, he went four miles from his hometown, four miles from his community into the enemy camp of the Philistines, pursuing a relationship he should have never pursued. It ended up costing his, his, uh, uh, the, the woman he was supposed to marry, her and her dad's life because the people burned them to death. It ended up costing him a lot. But it's like, I don't even remember that. And now here he is, not going four miles away from community, not going four miles away from his brotherhood, 25 miles away. 25 miles to Gaza. 25 miles to go and risk 20 years of faithfulness. 25 miles away from his sisterhood, brotherhood, support group, those that could have helped him. Here's the thing you need to understand. The enemy's smart. He knows his best chance at bringing you down is if he can separate you from your tribe. I'm convinced. That's why the enemy... It's not, I didn't even say this in 9 a.m. I'm convinced that's why the enemy will come in and put little things in people's ears trying to make them mad at somebody in the church or trying to find something wrong in the church, convincing them to pull away. <laughs> And they will rationalize it. They'll excuse it. But all, they, all that's happening is the enemy is giving them ammunition to leave so that he can pounce. Because he knows that's where I can get them. That, that, that's where I can get them. And he travels 25 miles to go and risk 20 years of faithfulness. It's easy to look at Samson's life and say, why, Samson? Why would you do that? But the truth is, guys, we do it every day. Every day we risk. We, we risk a good marriage. We risk our integrity. We risk ministry, close friendships, uh, our career, character, a testimony. We risk for something so little. We're risking so much. Samson travels 25 miles for, for the sake of what we're talking about. If you Google how many steps is a mile, it'll tell you the average human it is 2,000 to 2,500 steps for the average human for a mile. Well, I'm going to assume Samson's not average. So let's go on the low end of that, 2,000. So from where he left to where he ended up in Gaza, it was roughly 50,000 steps. 50,000 of these. 50,000 opportunities. For him to say, Samson, why are you doing this? Samson, do you remember what this cost you? Man, you're, you're breaking your vow to God. Come on, are you, are you really going to go through? 
50,000 chances to turn around. 50,000 chances to say, no, no, don't do this. See, see, here, here is what you need to understand. Samson didn't set out that day with plans to mess up his life. No man or woman maps out a plan to ruin their lives. Right? I mean, we can all agree on that. Like, no, no, nobody plans on, nobody says, you know what? By the time I'm 30 years old, I want to be so in debt, so broke, that I'm living from paycheck to paycheck. Nobody does that. What do they do? They start saying, man, I need a new boat. Or I need a new car. I need <laughs> I need a new Honda uh, CRV. No, <laughs> that little humor, a little inside humor. I, I need that new gun. I need that new iPhone. And then step after step, and before you know it, you're in debt up to your eyeballs, and there's nothing you can do about it. I mean, no, nobody plans all that. No, no man or woman uh, maps out a plan to become an addict. They don't say, you know what my goal is? My goal is to one day steal from my kids, steal from my family, steal from my friends so that I can support my habit. Nobody maps at it. Nobody says that's what I want. Nobody says, you know what I want? I want to live where I've got to look over my shoulder because all the people have screwed over so bad. Nobody plans that out. How do we get there? One small step at a time. Nobody plans on being an alcoholic. Come on, no one plans on being addicted to pornography. No, no one plans on distancing themselves from their kids and not having a relationship with them. Nobody plans on, on losing their temper over and over again till their wife or the kids can't stand to be around them anymore. Nobody plans that. How do we get there? One step at a time. That's how Samson took 20 years of faithfulness and ended up ruining his life. One small step at a time. I believe there are things we can learn from Samson. One of the things, if you're taking notes, Samson did that we might want to look at is this. Samson toys with his enemy. Samson toys. Samson goes 25 miles, 50,000 steps into the enemy's camp, into their capital city. And then he finds one of their women, goes in, spends the night with her. And then he gets word, oh, they found out I'm in town. And in the morning, they're going to kill me. So Samson doesn't sneak out so there's no drama. Samson doesn't say, I'm, I'm going to get out of here, get easy, get just away. Now look what Samson does when he finds out they're waiting on him until morning. Samson lay there until the middle of the night. Then he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate, together with the two posts, and tore them loose, bar and all. He lifted the city gates on his shoulders, carried them to the top of a hill that faces Hebron. Here's why this is so insulting to the Philistine and to that city. Because the gates represented security. They were safe. They could lock out the enemy. They could keep out whoever they wanted to keep out and keep those safe inside. And so basically what Samson was doing, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to show you what Samson was doing. Basically, basically Samson was flipping them off. 
saying, hey, you think you're safe? You think you're secure? I can come into this city whenever I want, and there's nothing you can do about it. And Samson toys with his enemy, and, and just like a lot of us men, he underestimates that the enemy's out to get him and the strength and the smarts of the enemy. And, and, and so he, he, he fails to realize that the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy anything and everything that matters to the heart of God. Listen, men. Listen, women. The enemy's goal is not to wound you, not to hurt you. His, his goal is to destroy you and kill you. That's his whole goal. Uh, and so Samson toys with the enemy. I remember uh, when I lived in California, and this was back when I was just young and stupid. Now I'm older and slightly stupid. I've got a little smarter. Uh, but I love to fight. I mean, I love to. I don't know if anybody understands that, but if NMA had been around when I was growing up, I would have been part of it. I just, I loved it. Nothing better to me than a good fight. And I remember I'm coming back, me and this girl I was dating, We'd been, at, we'd been out to the club there, uh, top flight ballroom. And I don't even I remember the name of the club. And uh, we're pulling in. Apparently, I did something this one guy pulling out did not like because he flips me off, says something to me. So right there in the middle of the road, I, I lay, lay the brakes down and road rage goes into full effect. I jump out of the car in the middle of the road. And, man, I start letting this guy. And he's a big guy. And when I say a big guy, I'm not talking about a muscular guy. I'm talking about a heavier, round guy. And I'm trying to be nice because, hey, big man, we have feelings too. And, uh, so, <laughs> and, and so I'm like, I, I, I'm quicker than this guy. I began to toy with him. I'd hit him and back out. I mean, I, I mean you got to understand, I, I, my dad was a golden glove boxer. I, I dabbled in it growing up. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hitting him, backing out. This guy, after... A couple minutes of taunting him and toying with him, he decides he's had enough. He puts his head down and just runs straight for me, grabs me. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground with the full weight of this big guy on top of me, his hands around my throat, and I'm thinking, you're stupid, Kelly. You're dead. <laughs> and my girl, in the meantime, the girl I was dating did realize Kelly's stupid. I better go get his cousin, Tracy. Tracy's about 6'6", a big guy. And so I'm laying there, nothing I can do. And I look, next thing I see is Tracy leaning over. He looks at me, looks at this big boy, and one hand pulls this guy off of me. And I learned a valuable lesson that day. If I'm going to fight someone that big, make sure Tracy's with me. <laughs> so... Make sure you got back up. Because you may be quicker, but they ain't going to take that toy in for long. They're going to come up with a plan. And when they get on top of you, it's over. It's over. And, and see, men, listen, our toying with the enemy may not be us flipping them off. May not, may not us be smack talking them. Here's how we toy with the enemy. When they, we put ourselves in positions and in situations we know we should not be in. Over and over again. And here's the way we toy with him. We do it. I was safe then. Put herself back in a situation. And we toy with him over and over. 
Some of you, 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 toy, you toy with the enemy with your finances. You, you are strapped financially. When, when Ben gets up here to talk about tithing, some of you are like, I would like to tithe, I just can't afford to tithe. Can, can, listen, I know people love it when pastors in the church talk about money. That and sex are their two favorite things for us to talk about. That, that they just love it. Can I tell you this? Uh, money and, and, and possessions is the number two thing talked about in the Bible. It is second only to love. There are over 23,000 verses that is related to money and possessions. I found that quite interesting. And so when, when I say, listen, the reason I talk about tithing and giving is not because I want something from you. It's because I want something for you. I want you to be able to walk in obedience. I want you. I, I can't wait. We've got so many testimonies in here. I can't wait for Zach and Megan to give their testimony. And, and others in here about how they started and they began a little tithing and what God did. But maybe you're strapped financially. And, and you're like, I want to honor God with my money. But then you're like, you're like, you know, I know we're strapped. I want to honor God with my money. I know we can't afford that new car. Uh, but, hey, let's just get on the Internet and see what's available. Oh, did you see this one? Let's call and go try it out. Let's go call and try it out. We're not going to buy it. We're not going to buy it. We're just going to try it out. Oh, man, this ride's good. What would you say we can get in this for? And you know, I'm telling you, one of the things that with Denise and I, listen, one of the things you'll find out about us, we don't have to drive a nice, nice car. Both of our cars have got, well, my, my Jeep has got almost 200,000 miles on it. Her car has got over 100,000 miles on it. I, I, but we have been faithful, and we're like, listen, we don't need that. As long as God takes care of us. But we have been faithful in our tithing and giving. And one, we don't want to be 80 years old and trying to figure out how we're going to pay for this or that anymore. We want to be faithful. We want to be faithful. And so you, you, some, some of you there, some of you, you want to honor God with your singleness and with your purity. Oh, he got quiet in here now. But then you go put yourself in a situation that you know you can't handle. You invite them over. Hey, come over. Let's Netflix and chill. I wouldn't know. We're just going to watch a movie. And you know. And you want to be pure. You want to honor God. But then you put yourself in situations you cannot handle. Or you're married. And you start having conversations with someone you know you shouldn't. And you're like, I can handle it. I, I've got this. And all you're doing is toying with the enemy. And we think, man, we think we're strong enough. We think we've got it under control. We think, man, I've got a, I've got a firm grip on my faith. But we forget the words of Paul, where Paul said in 1 Corinthians, be careful when you think you stand because you're getting ready to fall. Samson toyed with the enemy. The second thing Samson did was this. Samson rationalized his recurring sin. Samson had a real knack for going after the wrong woman. Just like some of y'all do. Just like some of you women have a real knack for going after the wrong men. And you're like on the fourth guy. I don't know why I can't find the right guy. Maybe you ought to ask why they can't find the right woman. Dang, that was tough, Kelly. 
I like the sunny jelly. But Samson had a knack for this. I mean, part of his vow was, hey, don't go pursuing women that worship false gods. Don't go to that. But, but look here. Here we see him again, Judges 16.4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was? No, you got Delilah. Nobody listen to the radio show? Y'all are so much holier than me. Man, we are masters of rationalizing our sin, especially those that we keep finding ourselves in. Can we be real? I, I, I'm a pretty good guy. I, this, this is just my one thing. I don't have a lot. This is my one thing. It's nobody's business anybody, anyway what I'm doing. It's not hurting anybody. If nobody knows what's the big deal, well, if she'd show me a little more attention, I wouldn't have to look. I wouldn't have to go elsewhere. We are masters at rationalizing that recurring sin, and that's what Samson does. And look what happens to him. Verses, verse 5. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, I'm pay attention here. See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. What, what made them think that Delilah could talk him into his secret? Because they knew Samson's weakness. This ain't the first time Samson's been to, to Gaza. This ain't the first time he's been with one of their women. We, we know of three times, at least in the Bible, it's mentioned. And here's what you need to understand. That sin you rationalize, it's going to go into planning mode to try to take you down with your enemies. That sin you keep rationalizing. So they began to lay this trap for Samson by partnering with this recurring sin. Here's a short version. Uh, she says, Samson, tell me the secret of your strength. And what? Uh, give it. Samson, first, he tells her an all-out lie. If you get seven straps, you tie me up with those straps, I'm going to become as weak as any other man. Samson goes to sleep that evening, and she ties him up with seven straps. She wakes up saying, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Samson, break those straps like they're nothing. And she says, why would you lie to me? I'd be like, why are you tying me up? I made a joke in the 9 a.m. service, but I'm not going to make it right now. Huh? My wife's clapping, so... So, <laughs> it's so funny in my head. Anyway, let's go. No, not. And Samson says, it, it, so why would you lie to me? Tell me what it, it really is. Samson says, brand new ropes. Okay, tie me up with brand new ropes and I'll be as weak as any other man. And again, he goes to sleep. Again, she ties him up with brand new ropes. Says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. Again, he breaks them like they're nothing. You lied to me. Please tell me your secret. Come on. Samson, I've heard this about really strong men. That they can be a little dumb. But I know from experience that's not true. No, so. But honestly, twice? You tell the woman what's going to make you laugh, and you, 
it, it blows me away. Let, let's go on. And, and she's like, you lie to me again. Please tell me your secret. She begins to use Samson's weakness against him. Watch this. Samson. Then Delilah said to Samson, all this time, you've been making a fool of me. You lied to me. Tell me how you tied me. Tell <laughs> how you tied me up. Little 50 shades there. Let's go. Tell me how you can be tied. Now watch. I want you to see the steps. The first step, first two steps were all out lights, right? Watch though. He replied, if you weave seven braids of my head into the fabric on the loom and tie it with a pin, I'll become as weak as any other man. Anybody see the small step? All out lies, first two. Now he's closer to the truth. He's dealing with his hair. See those small steps? Small steps are costing him. And he tells us, Samson falls asleep. She weaves seven braids into the fabric, puts the pen in, wakes him up. Samson, the Philistines are up on you again. He wakes up and watches what she does next. Because she realized it wasn't true. Verse 15. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time I've tried to kill you and you've made a fool of me. <laughs> That's not in there, but. And haven't told me the secret of your great strength. Ladies, if you're feeling left out, I want to dedicate this next verse to you. With such nagging, <laughs> she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. <laughs> one preach it right there. One preach it. Who said that? That's what I had, I had to fix. Oh, yeah, his wife's not there. That's why no man with a wife is here is going to say preach it. Not out loud anyway. Uh, here's what I'm thinking, though. Samson, strong enough to take a thousand men out with a jawbone. Strong enough to rip a line in two. But yet he's not strong enough to lead a woman. World's strongest man could do all these other things. Listen, men, we love to brag on our strengths when it comes to our work, when it comes to our hobbies, when it comes to our knowledge. But most of the time, we are so weak where it matters most. I'm telling you, man, it's time we step up and own it. And we start becoming strong in the areas that matter. Start becoming strong in the areas where we're leading our families into righteousness. We're leading our families in prayer. We're leading our families in worship. It's time. Samson takes small step after small step. Now look at verse 17. So he told her everything. That's the thing about a recurring sin. You do it so much, you get comfortable with it. Before you know it, you've given it everything. So she, he told her everything. No razor has ever been used on my head. Get this, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. My head was shaved. My strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. 
there in that verse, it's like there's a flicker of Samson remembering who he was created to be. He says, it's my hair. Because since from my birth, I was a Nazarite. My life dedicated to God and what he wanted me to do. And if I lose that vow to God, if you cut my hair, if I lose my relationship with God, then I'll be no different than any other man. Here's one of the biggest problems with men today. Your biggest battle is that you've forgotten who God created you to be. You forgot that God created you with a purpose in mind. Maybe you've never been told it, but I, if not, let me be the first to tell you, you weren't created just to take up space. You weren't created to be average at what you do. You weren't created just to live a so-so life. You were created, you were given gifts from God. You were given abilities from God to change the world you live in. You are not to be like every other man. I don't care what every other man is doing at work. I don't care how they're talking, where they're going. Samson said, you do this, I'll be like any other man. Samson has this passing memory. And he says, here's the real strength about my strength. Verse 19, after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. That word subdue does not do justice to what is being said here. The actual word that's translated means to afflict and to bring violence upon. She called in somebody to cut the seven braids. Then it says they began to inflict violence upon him. And then look what happened. His strength left him. Man, I wonder how many of us out of disobedience to God are doing battle every day and it's in our own strength instead of the strength God has given us simply because we were disobedient. Here's the thing Samson did. Samson assumed his disobedience wouldn't cost him. Samson's like a lot of, the, a lot of us in this room. I've gotten away with it before. I'll get away with it again. It didn't bite me in the butt this time. I, I, I'm going to go ahead and do it again. He assumed his disobedience wouldn't cost him. But look at verse 20. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'm going to go out as before and shake myself free. I'm going to go out just like all the other times that I found myself in this sin. Like all the other times that I've slipped out and, and did this, I'm going to find myself, I'm going to shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. He didn't realize things had changed. Listen to me, man. There comes a time when you step out and do it, do it, do it, do it. And if you don't make a change, I can guarantee there's going to come a time when your sin will find you out. When disobedience will cost you. And you may say, no, no, I'll just tell another lie to get me out of this. 
I'll just say this to get me out of this. I'll make something up. I'll just shake myself free like I have in the past. But Samson did not realize that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes, took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles, and they set him to grinding grain in the prison. How could a man, 20 years of faithfulness, how could a man with so much potential to change his world and do and be the man that God had called him to be, how could he find himself in this position with his enemies mocking him, eyes gouged out? One step at a time. One step at a time. So, man, I want to ask you a question. And what happens next hinges on whether you answer this question truthfully or not. What steps are you taking away from God? What is it that's taking you away? Where are you on the journey? Maybe you're just at step one. Or maybe you're at step 49,999 in the steps you've taken away. Where are you? I mean, what are the steps that you're taking? For some of you, it could be as simple as, hey, you know what? I've not been as committed to this church and community thing as I was in the past. I've not been in the Word like I have in the past. I've not been praying like I, I used to pray. And, and even, let, let me put it like this. You've still got the hair on the outside, but your heart is taking little steps away from God. You've still got the look. Everybody still thinks everything's okay. But in your heart, you're taking these small steps leading you away. For others, it could be the attitudes that Samson had. That I want it. I deserve it. Or I can handle it. It could be anger. The steps taking you away. It, it could be that you're not leading at home like you should be. It could be greed. It could be you're financially disobeying God. It could be how you manage your time. It could be your marriage, your relationship with your kids. I want to challenge you. Just be honest. What steps are you taking away from God? Where is it? Because here's what you need to know. You are only as strong as you are honest. And if you never own up to where you're at, you'll continue taking small steps away until you find yourself one day saying, I'm just going to get up and shake myself free only to realize everything you loved is now gone. Everything you held dear, everything you held valuable is gone. Where are you stepping away from God? Identify it because here is the truth and here's what's so good. Whether you are step one on this journey away from God, walking away, stepping away, whatever it is, or you're on 49,999, there's, listen, this is going to be deep. You know what you got to do? Whether you're at step one or step 49,000, turn around. Turn around. And what's so amazing about the grace of God is this, whether I'm right there at step one or I'm way down here at 49,000, when I turn around, God's right there. God, that's how good God is. That's how his grace works. It's not I have to turn around and run back to God. No, when I, the moment I turn around, bam, there's God. There's God. 
I'm telling you, when you read this story, verse 22, I'm about to read it to you. It is, you, you may not see it, have seen it in the past. It is one of the most grace-filled verses you see in the Bible, especially when you re- read this story. Because Samson is here with his eyes gouged out, his hair shaved off. And that hair shaved off, that says it all. What it says is, I've disobeyed God. I've done this to myself. And he's standing there knowing his disobedience brought him here. His disobedience is why his eyes are gouged out. His disobedience is why he doesn't have that relationship with God that he used to have. He knows that been publicly humiliated verse 22 but the hair on his head began to grow again I don't know if you can see the goodness in those nine words or not the hair on his head began to grow again those nine words Show me how big the grace of God really is. Those nine words show me just how merciful God is. Because though inwardly, man, he had walked away from God. He had disobeyed God. He had pretty much spat in the face of God saying, I don't care what you say about this. I'm going to do it my way. God, the moment he turned, his hair began to grow. 